0: Welcome back to the show. I hope you guys had a fantastic Thanksgiving. I'm super excited for this one. Today on the show, we have Chase Bonegg. Chase has several years of experience in entrepreneurship and venture capital. He was an associate instructor for entrepreneurship at the University of Illinois, served as a venture capital associate for Illinois Ventures, and was a senior venture associate at TechNexus, a leading startup incubator. During his work with TechNexus and Illinois Ventures, He supported close to 20 startup investments syndicated with over 50 global investment firms. And all of this wasn't enough. So since then, he's been actively pursuing his own company, First Ignite, that he co-founded. Welcome to the show, Chase. Great to have you.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
0: How was your Thanksgiving?
1: Thanksgiving was great. Yeah, a lot of time with family, caught, then caught two nights in my favorite band, Green Sky Bluegrass in Kalamazoo, as an annual tradition, and uh, now we're back on the grind.
0: That's awesome. Did you get a chance to meet family and friends and just kind of catch
1: up? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, really good time. It's an important time of year to, to, to be thankful for everything that you've accomplished.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so let's, let's just dive right in. So as I mentioned in the intro there, um, you're currently working on your company, First Ignite, um, so can you walk us through the premise behind this and, and, you know, what's the problem you're looking to solve?
1: Yeah, we are looking at the problem of trying to get innovation moving, um, specifically, uh, kind of deep technology research-based, uh, mostly university focused technologies. Uh, big problem is, uh, as a country, we're doing hundreds of billions of dollars a year of research that compounds annually, and we're not seeing the benefit from it as much. And so we're looking to try to get, um, companies, entrepreneurs uh, interested in and connected with university technologies uh, to get those breakthroughs into the market.
0: Sure. Okay. Um, and so before we dive into the specifics of how your company works and, and how you're looking to make money, um, you know, let's let's unpack a few things. So you're working within the, the patent and the IP and the tech transfer space. And those are, you know, those are words that I'm sure all of us have heard and the, the listeners have heard before, but they can, you know, quite honestly be either boring sometimes or, um, you know, go over your heads. And it's very um, it's very sort of put off to the side when it comes to startups and innovation. So, um, you know, unpacking that process, can you maybe walk through what, you know, what does a standard process look like for patent filing? I mean, as soon as, you know, let's say I have a, a great idea, a great company, even what happens as soon as I decide to file for that patent?
1: Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, and, it, and it's different for us as as individuals than it is for, for our customer group, which is a university. But for, as an individual, you have an idea. Um, you, you know, you can file a provisional patent, uh, kind of secure a little space in the market uh, to give yourself kind of a year to test the market, find uh, people who might be interested, make sure that the, that you're not impeding too much, um, and then file a patent and get it, and, and try to complete that application within 12 months. Um, on the university side, who we work with, um, the research faculties on, on campus submit ideas, which are referred to as disclosures, to the tech transfer office, who then uh, review the idea look for potential markets and use case for these uh, kind of complex, pie in the sky thinking ideas often. Um, and, and if they believe that there's an opportunity for them, then they, they the tech transfer office is in charge of filing the patent, renewing the patent, um, protecting the patent, commercializing the patent. Um, us specifically as First Ignite, we, we focus just at the very end um, on the commercialization or what we call the active marketing of, of technologies.
0: Okay so basically you know let's if there's research going on at universities and labs or other organizations this this tech transfer office will basically take take this, this um, package to research or product and, and, and basically create a gateway for this to be commercialized, right? Is that, is that a good way of, of understanding it?
1: Yeah, and, and, and to go even a little further, just to kind of introduce the university research as a market, because that's really what, where we focus on um, as well as corporate innovation. But the university research market, um, you know, when people think of universities uh, and the products they put out, most people think about students, great, great product from universities. Uh, athletics, really great product from a lot of universities. Um, But but a big product that universities focus on and a big revenue driver for them is is research. Uh, Federally and privately grant-funded research. The university keeps half of all grants to pay for other expenses. Half of it goes to the research um, on most federal grants. Um, And then the output of that grant-funded research is supposed to be patents. And and the tech transfer office then receives the disclosure, which often come from grants, files the patents, gets the patents. Um, And that's really... And then the next step, the, 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 the kind of the holy grail is finds a commercial partner to drive it forward. And when that technology is driven forward and licensed from the university and is part of a product that generates significant revenue or generates revenue at all, um, a certain cut goes back to the university. Um, kind of the market norm is 5% of all future sales of a university technology uh, go back to the university, which is very negotiable.
0: Interesting. So, so that means that, um, so essentially, these these offices are helping to license this um, this innovation out to other businesses, other entrepreneurs. So, when you say they these universities basically have a stake or, or have some sort of equity in these ideas going forward, is that process for this this patent filing is that different since it's going through a university pipeline versus if if one were to do it individually? Or so, is there some sort of safeguarding behind this university research since it is coming from, um, a a campus or, or what does that look like?
1: Well, I think the biggest difference between, you know, myself or an individual looking to to file it and do a patent versus the university is, is who's really behind it. Um, you know, I don't have the resources that the university of Illinois has. Uh, I also don't have the researcher expertise that they have within it. And so often the technologies that are being developed and patented from a university, um, are, are deep science, complex, high tech, you know, really defendable, um, impressive technologies. And, and I think that's just a, a major difference um, between, you know, what, what we're capable of as universities and what you're finding on campus. And with that also being said is you're also looking at a different audience. You know, we're not filing sim, simple patents for, you know, putting ketchup onto a hot dog machine. Um, you know, we're looking at water filtration devices and structural supercapacitors and cancer therapeutics and micro uh, and and DNA diagnostic tools, uh, really intensive things that take a lot of time and resources and capital. and, And this is all things that have been invested in to the technologies that are on campus.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and as you mentioned earlier, when we think about the the talent coming out of universities, you know, we we all, and to some extent, follow you know college sports. We follow um, uh, big other you know news coming out of schools from that perspective. But um, I think the key message you're getting at here is that um, entrepreneurs and and other companies, corporations, they really should be considering universities more as a source of innovation and R&D. Is that correct?
1: yeah absolutely I mean that's the premise of what we're trying to do um, when when you look at the united states uh ninety five percent of technologies that are invented and patented on campuses are are not being uh, commercialized. These are really cool groundbreaking things you know oral cancer screen tests uh you know like i said DNA diagnostics um, you know energy storage devices and and, and um what you get when you work with the university technology is not just the patent. You know, we've got to think so much more than the patent. And that's actually something that our our current business is uncovering is is the, the technology that's been invented and available in that patent is one thing. But what our industry partners are realizing is that, you know, that technology is great. But what I can really leverage is the fact that I've now identified industry expertise, you know, research expertise of the highest caliber that are working in areas that I'm interested in. And because they're doing research in areas I'm interested in, although I might not want that specific patent, I really need to figure out a way to partner with this laboratory moving forward. Um, And and that's a really cool, cool avenue. And that leads to things like private sponsored research projects. And and the cool thing about private sponsored research projects is when we have an organization that partners with the university to test a water filtration device to see if it can, you know, uh, filter out magnesium. Well, industry has given university researchers exactly what they need in order to bring it to market. When the university completes that, the commercialization process is, is, is so much faster than um, what often the current model is, which is first we'll invent something and, and then they will come. I use uh, Kevin Costner from the movie Field of Dreams reference. And that's the idea of he builds a baseball field. And if, we, if, we, if, they, if he builds it, they will come. And that's what's happening yeah. at universities often is they invent something really groundbreaking. Um, and are hoping that industry is coming, but uh, you know we've got to build what the market industry wants, and, and so that's kind of a big growth in our industry.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It's it's. I think the the key question is how do you bridge that gap that currently exists between um, the outside world, if you will, and universities. I think that's a that's a that's a huge number you mentioned earlier. What was it? Ninety five percent of um, these innovations are not seeing the light of day when it comes to commercializing. Right.
1: Yeah. Significant number. You know, I, I, there's a lot of interesting metrics in our space um, that that we used to look at it, but a good example of just kind of how this market works is let's look at the university, of California system. Um, they generate around hundred million dollars a year in licensing revenue, which is their kickback from a technology being commercialized. That's a number like round of applause to them. The majority of that comes from four key technologies that are, are driving the most of that revenue. Um, now, the question, the, the, the million dollar question is, and the one that we're fitting in is, guess how many technologies they have unlicensed? And that number is somewhere around 13,000. So four wow. technologies or so, right, let's call it 10, just to, to round, round up a bit, uh, can generate $100 million in, in, in revenue. What do you think sitting in those 13,000 technologies and how do we uncover what's valuable and how do we find a partner to move it forward? And how does First Ignite then kind of get a kickback for doing so that that's really what we're up to yeah that's
0: fantastic so it's in, in a sense your your company first ignite is is looking at how best they can untap all of this this hidden potential right i mean with as you said the thousands of, I mean even even for me going through school I saw I had several friends who who were engaged in research labs many many years of their college experience um, they were working on these these really cool projects and and writing theses and papers and it often felt like you know once they graduated that handoff happened and and they never were able to see what what would go on with these projects after they left and even if they were still there they weren't really able to see the big picture and that partly may be because there really was no outlet for doing so and so i guess that's where your company first ignite fits in right is is being able to tap in um to to all this innovation going on and find sort of be a matchmaker um in a sense to find ways for it to be commercialized or brought out out of the university ecosystem
1: that's it well that's exactly it the way we talked about our company for the first nine months what we originally set out to build was a matching engine for the venture ecosystem, and uh, it just so happened to be that during customer discovery, that uh, tech transfer was this market. That after sixty conversations, oh yeah, we talked to them, baby. After uh, sixty <laughs> conversations of tech transfer offices across the country, you know, they were all telling us, hey, we're getting more ideas and more disclosures and more patents than we ever have because that's the metric we're really being judged on. Um, but the big problem was, you know, hey, chasing the first ignite team. Uh, we could use some help, you know, get clear and through our inventory. And it's something we call technology inventory. Um, and, and it's significant. They've got lots of technologies unlicensed um, and, and, and that, that's too bad for all parties involved uh, for the university. Cause they could generate more revenue for the researchers because they wish that when they invented something and it got patented, that it, that traction happened. It's too bad for industry. Cause they're spending a lot of time and effort. Um, often going down paths that could potentially already have been solved at universities. And then just us as citizens, because what's the number? $70 billion in annual uh, university research expenditures. Um, You know, those those inventions, we, we as the people deserve to have them off the shelf. You know, they're significant. They're good. They'll make our lives better.
0: Yeah, and even more so than that for, I mean, you mentioned the, the UC system, the University of Illinois system, these are all public universities, so taxpayer dollars are in a way affecting um, the, the ability for this innovation to happen. So not only, you know, obviously the end goal of seeing this on the shelf, but even taxpayer dollars, I mean, the, if there's money being poured into universities to help support this kind of innovation, there should be, uh, we should be seeing more of that out in the, the real world, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's what's cool about that, um, and what we hope to educate industry on is a lot of taxpayer dollars, a lot of you know federal funding, have gone into to such a thing. But what's also cool about being part of, part of the United States is that um, at any day you can become an entrepreneur. And so, although there's been a lot of taxpayer dollars funded into this, remember, you now could go be the entrepreneur of a cancer therapeutic. Because it's available for license from University of Central Florida, which I'm just pinging. I'm promoting the technology we're working with. But that's that's kind of interesting is that, um, you know, if you really think about it, you want to start a, a business in, here in the United States is that um, there's businesses to be started and partnered with universities because because uh, the, the taxpayer dollars, the grant funding has got them to this stage. But remember, these are all things that like you will not see a company that's focused quarter to quarter. Uh, be able to, to, to drop significant research dollars in. So it's, it's very important. You know, the, the grant funding is a very important aspect. But also keep in mind, you know, for anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur is that dig through your favorite university's portfolio of technology, uh, and you're going to find some cool things that, that you could talk to them about, license, and become an entrepreneur and work to drive that forward with a big university having your back to, to be successful.
0: So, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. So um, I want to talk some more some more numbers here. So I was doing some research and going back to that tech transfer process, which is, again, that gateway for bringing these innovations out into market. Uh, back in 2016, there were close to 70 billion, that's with a B, Um, dollars in research expenditures at universities across the nation. And with this, there were about 25,000 invention disclosures, um, 16,000 patent applications filed, and then ultimately 7,000 issued patents. So in your experience um, you know, over all these years in both venture capital as well as what you're doing now, um, do you think these numbers are reflective of perhaps a changing or improved process um, with tech transfers, seeing that we have so many disclosures happening and, and actual patents being filed? And if, if so, um, or if not, I guess, how do we as, as, a, um, as a society, as a, as a system, how do we increase these numbers?
1: Yeah, so I'm going to address this based on how First Ignite looks at this problem. So these are really good numbers that are associated with the tech, with the university research market. Um, these are the numbers you're going to find reported on because this is currently how the industry um, reports its metrics and its success metrics. Now, First Ignite's entering this market and saying, I want to improve numbers that you're not listing, which is, Total licensing dollars that are being returned to the university based on um, royalty share on successfully commercialized technology, uh, number of licensed technologies versus number of patents uh, unlicensed in a university's portfolio, um, licensing revenue as a percentage of research expenditure, right? So if, if, if I'm doing $100 million a year in research expenditure and my licensing royalty last year was $500,000, um, you know. Uh, First Ignite is, is coming in to say, you know, let's not let's not accept that. Let's 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 get to work on improving that metric. And so those numbers are really good. And the universities are doing a very good job. You know, I said we talked to 60 of them. They were getting more disclosures and filing more patents than than they ever have for a lot of the parts, which is really great. Uh, but then they said, you know, hey, hey Chase, where we could use some help is uh, how, do, how do we get organizations or entrepreneurs to to take these forward because that's what it really takes it takes you know it takes a human to come in and, and be the uh to to steer that ship so yeah we look at numbers differently we, we bring new metrics to the market in our mind where we we very much focus on what percentage of your technologies are being licensed um how much money you're making per technology and for for how much research you're doing how how, how successful are your, are your commercialization numbers Um, That's usually that. I mean, that's our sales process is if you want to if you want to make more money uh, and license more technologies, let's partner up and figure out how to solve that problem for you.
0: Yeah. So I'm curious, then, how do these offices that are that are backed by the university, these these tech transfer offices, how do they incubate these ventures while at the same time being able to show some ROI or show some um, uh, gain for the university?
1: Well, they're making money. Don't get me wrong uh, they're making serious money, you know, um, a lot of them, but yeah, a lot, you know, like the, the, you know, even, even a school, I think university of Michigan just claimed 16 million, uh, in licensing revenue annually. I mean, that's a lot of money that's, you know, at, being that that's the percentage, uh, you know, that's a fraction of percentage, one to 5% usually of their license revenue of the commercialization of their licensed technologies. Right. So, so it's a lot of money, um, and they're adding lots of the economy, but the question is, in our mind is, okay, well, how many other technologies, you know, how many other technologies could be contributing to that revenue number? Um, and that's, exactly. and that's where we come yeah. in. And the big thing you have to keep in mind about tech transfers is, is we, again, first thing I focus is on the active marketing side because the universities, I mean, this is the patent game. So they're very tied up in testing patent market, reviewing for freedom to operate. You know, th- we've ran into issues that universities are dealing with when it comes to patents that we didn't even know were real things. Uh, like the inability to share a technology with, with, with a certain country or something like that based on certain things. They're just things that they have to deal with on a daily basis that I'm so happy we don't have to. And so when it comes to being able to have the time and effort on, in their offices to go out and find industry partners, you know, that's often um, you know, just, just a piece that, uh, that they can use support with. And that, that's, you know, that's, that's why we're building the business we are and the market we are.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so what I'm hearing from that is, there, it's not like these universities are having to safeguard their products because um, if they don't, they'll just be giving them away. I mean, as you said, the the University of Michigan just took in millions and millions of dollars just from licensing these these innovations that came from their pipeline. So, it, it feels like there, you know, there is a harmony that can be established with all these moving moving parties, um, and there's just so much untapped. Um, there's a there's a treasure trove, if you will, of, of all this innovation and all this this research that's happening that hasn't yet been been tapped into, and that's where that's where you're coming in to help make that process uh, a lot more expedited, a lot more um, efficient.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is universities are open for business; they're ready to partner on commercialization, um, and that's a really exciting thing. And so, yeah, they're definitely not safeguarding anything. It, 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 they're ready they're ready to work with you and when you think about what you do when you license a technology i mean you're shaking hands and you're in business together then you and you know whatever university you license that technology for and and for those entrepreneurs and stuff out there um especially on the younger side like like you know uh that's a really powerful thing to be able to be like we license university you know ucla technology all of a sudden the, you know i'm i'm gonna put my investor hat on for a minute but uh did you say you you know that that you guys have UCLA technology that's backed by $2 million in grant funding already. So you're saying, yeah, you guys potentially can get grants to continue that technology that you've got the, you know, the scientific expertise behind it. That's, that's far greater than um, than you guys just as individuals. Uh, and you're partnered with, you know, this multi-billion dollar massive longstanding uh, organization that is the, the, you know, University of California, Los Angeles, uh, you know, that it's an important thing and they're, they're, they're eager and willing and excited about, partnering with the right people and organizations to to help them get their technology into the market. Yeah. So
0: how do you do that? How do you make sure you're shaking hands with the right people with the right partners? Well,
1: it's a good question. I think it's both sides. So it depends who you are, but uh, I think universities are starting to before, I think, you know, the, the golden goose was hopefully we just get a, you know, a fortune 100 company to come take this thing. And that's how it's going to be moved forward. What you're seeing now um, at universities across the country is, um, they're looking for individuals. They're looking for entrepreneurs or, or a couple person team to, to license their technology because They actually see that a lot of success come from that or starting it themselves. Um, but yet, yeah, and then on the, on the individual side, if you're looking to license a technology from a university, there, there's a couple things. You got to talk with the faculty seriously in, in a serious way, because if you license a technology that's been invented by a faculty and you don't have the blessing of that faculty to, want to help you, you know, indefinitely, <laughs> then, then that's not maybe a technology you want to work with. You need to f- make sure that you're able to functionally collaborate with the researcher behind the technology. So if you're looking to re- license technology, make sure that you can establish a relationship and they seem like an individual that you can, you know, imagine it as one of your co-founders. Right. And then as, as for our, our university side, um, continuing to be more flexible in who they license it to, but, putting on the investor hat and i think that's what's cool about first ignite is you know being able to wear my venture capital hat is when we talk with an organization i often do the first call before a university so we make a successful match when our platform works i I handle the first call right now with that with that startup or entrepreneur to weed out individuals that uh don't feel like they they'd be capable of driving the technology forward um and and that's cool too is to, to. the university has been burned a lot in the past, but they have to just learn how to take a more venture capital approach to say, like, you know, hey, are these, are these guys hungry enough to move, take this forward? It's going to be really, really hard to bring a structural supercapacitor from Northern Arizona University to market. But, okay. you know, there's, a certain, there's some certain personality traits uh, and expertise and, and background that when, when you add those things together, the probability of their success uh, driving it forward, if you, if you can get better at making that judgment, uh, the better chance you have of it being successful. So I think it's two sides is both sides of the equation just need to learn how to, how to uh, navigate that space. And it's something that, you know, feel free to shoot me an email because first Ignite would love more, nothing more than to, to, to help with that process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just in that last part there, you mentioned a bit about your experience in VC. So I want to dive more into that. So um, with, so how, how long have you been, have you been running first Ignite now?
1: Uh, since January of this year. So 12 months, our, our first year ends at the end of this year, and we begin q one of our second year in January.
0: okay, sweet so with um is, as I mentioned back in the introduction with with all your background in in venture capital and and evaluating other promising companies um, how how are you taking that experience now and being able to influence the direction you take your company now that you're kind of the one run, running the show instead of evaluating other entrepreneurs, other companies?
1: I'm do the same thing I've always done. And that's talk to people smarter than me to try to figure out what the heck we should do next. Um, and, and that goes a couple ways. So personal advisory board always had one, always will. Oh, I haven't always had one, but you know, since, since my professional life (laughs) began, I wasn't, you know, like walking out of kindergarten, calling, calling my (laughs) advisory board to see what I should have for lunch. But, uh, yeah. So a big thing is, is keep an advisory board, but I think the number one thing that first Ignite does to, to make sure is we listen, we just listen to our customers. I mean, I, I told you exactly how we kind of got to this point, And that was, we started the business January of last year, you know, uh, as creating a matching engine for the venture ecosystem, which if you think about that, we could have been plugging in any different party to anywhere. Uh, and, and after 60 conversations with tech transfer offices, uh, you know, re- pilots with 13 offices and, and relationships with six, um, uh, we, we got to where we are, and we're going to continue to always do that. we got to listen to the market. They're going to tell us what they need. We've just started working with corporate innovation because that's obviously become a big bleed over. Now that we have this relationship pipeline um, and, and innovation pipeline going across the country with universities, we've got corporations who are saying, hey, that's interesting. You know, help, help us find the best research partners for certain areas. And, and corporations are also saying um, maybe we can negotiate on behalf for them. You know, because when a big five billion dollar corporation walks into a university, all of a sudden the price goes up <laughs> on, on technology, yeah. right? Compared to when you or yeah. I walk in, so um, yeah. But always listening to customers—that's how. That's that's a big thing, which is something I used to preach as an investor, and now it, it makes a lot more sense. Um, and then the, the other side of that, I think, uh, you know, if you think about where I invested, is I was at Illinois Ventures, which is the lo- oldest standing university technology focused venture capital firm in the country. Uh, you know, we strictly invest when I joined, we strictly invested in university of Illinois, uh, research. You know, when I joined, we expanded to students and alumni. Um, and, and that's a big thing. And then I joined tech nexus and that was purely focused on corporate innovation. And so when you see it from those two sides is how are corporates trying to innovate and how are universities trying to get their technology off this space? Um, you know, a lot of that background really does bleed nicely into, to what makes me a successful leader of this organization. Um, but, uh, but I'm also as confident and you know, willing, willing to uh, try new things and fail often and keep smiling as I ever have been. And in and, and doing so, you know, um, makes me a good leader of the organization and, and definitely excited to be in that role. Yeah, it's fantastic. So what
0: are your goals for 2020 then with the company?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, we want to get our first contract secured and our first technologies license. We want to get our first technologies licensed on technologies that first ignite will receive a royalty share of future revenue. We're building business. That'll be like, we hope that will be like a record company, but for university technologies where we get 1% of future revenues of all technologies that we work with, we have revenue generating, but it's not from that yet. Uh, We really are. We've got, um, we've got our first university partner. We hope Uh, it's not finalized yet, but the university of Notre Dame and the idea center, um, they're doing really cool things, and we're so lucky enough for them to, to hopefully like us enough, and they think that we're, 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 we're yeah. capable enough to, to allow us to come in and, and work with some of their technology inventory on a, on a royalty share uh, potential. And so I think if First Ignite accomplishes that next year, um, that's, that's, that's going to be big. That's, that's big. Uh, because with all those, te- yeah, that's, that's big for us. That's my biggest goal for next year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with what we've talked about today, I think you are well on your way to making that happen. I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, a link of an article from you in, in March <laughs> saying, Hey, we made it happen. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to
1: say, it's going to be by the end of Q1, just in case. Yeah. Like that, that's for sure. And if it's not them, if it's not them, it's somebody else. I mean, that's, that's where we're at right now. Uh, that That's, yeah. you know, we've got, but we're looking for early, our, our early partners are so instrumental in, in, in what we do. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we, but yeah, it'll be Q1 for sure. And it's going to be really exciting. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Move fast and do big things. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. So I have a question. Um, so for for our listeners who have been listening to this podcast and, and, and hearing about First Ignite and this whole tech transfer process, Um Where do you start? I mean, how do you, where do you learn about patents and IP? I mean, do you, is it a whole college four years experience that you need on it to even be in this industry? Are there shortcuts? Are there boot camps? I mean, what's the, what's my, what's my way in to this?
1: Yeah. Well, it depends on what you're seeking. If you're seeking, you know, a technology to license, uh, Depending on where you want, you know, start by hitting up your tech transfer offices or come to us. We'll find we'll find you what you need. Uh, if, if if you're wondering about patents and how they might affect you. Um, you know, I, I, I we use patent. If you're looking at like freedom to operate, we use Patents View as a great place to, to research patents and technologies. Um, as for do you need a four year degree? Uh, well, the thing is, is most of the people in the tech transfer offices, you're going to see JDs and PhDs. Uh, that, which is really important on, on the patent filing side. It's a really complex process on our team. You're not going to find either. Uh, and that's because we're attempting to build software uh, that simplifies the process and hopefully can make sense out of the textual language of, of technologies. Um, you know, and that, and that, and that's a big piece, but uh, yeah, the patents are out there. <laughs> patents are out there. Uh, and, and when you find one, we, we hope to look, continue to create ways that, that, you know, without a four year or seven year or nine year degree that we can make sense of technologies uh, so that, you know, more and more individuals are capable of moving forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Awesome. Do you have anything else you want to share with our audience and anything you want to plug, anything you want to uh, talk about that's coming up for you? No, I think, I think
1: we'd just like to plug ourselves, First Ignite, and I'd like to plug my co founder, Cody Pelosky. Uh Could, you know, we wouldn't, I wouldn't, First Ignite would be well shut down if it wasn't for <laughs> Cody. Uh, yeah, and myself as a team, we, we worked very well together. So I think that's, uh, you know, that's a blessing to be able to find that. Uh, as for other other plugs, um, you know, if this gets in the ears of our early partners who, who know who they are, um, Sony Brook University, um, University of Missouri, St. Louis, University of Minnesota, uh, University of Central Florida, um, University of Massachusetts Lowell, uh, Northern Arizona University, Notre Dame. Uh, you know, the schools who, when we sent them an email and then we had a phone call, were willing to, you know, take a chance and spend any time and resources on even having conversations with us, let alone helping us learn this process and how to succeed in it and being patient when we fail. So that, that would be who I gave a plug to for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh,
0: this was fantastic. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Chase, for coming on the show. And I've, I can tell you, I learned a thousand things and I'm going to have to go back and Google uh, a lot more <laughs> than I thought I would uh, just to go back and, and learn more about this. This is fantastic. Um, so thanks again. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, and thanks again to our listeners. As always, keep giving us feedback on what you liked, what you didn't like. Um, and stay tuned for the next episode next week. Um, in the meantime, we'll see you then.